0: In May 26th, you did a famous tweet. I'll speak soon with no filter. You ready to speak? 100%.
1: Ivan Tony! Ivan Tony! Ivan Tony handed an eight-month ban.
0: Seismic news for the Premier League. That sums
1: it all! Football is brutal. Like 15 being rejected at Leicester. 18, I got to Wolves. Got a squad number, took the pictures. Out of nowhere, the club said, we're not looking to sign you no more. You have scoliosis in your back.
0: It hasn't affected your game. Tony! Ivan Tony!
1: I don't feel like it has. Hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard. I'm built different.
0: Ivan Tony has won his first England call-up. You missed out on the final World Cup squad. Do you know why?
1: The allegations, somebody's out to get me, to stop me from playing for England.
0: Ivan Tony has been suspended for eight months with breaching betting rules. I read the whole FA report. You acknowledged that you lied in that meeting with the FA. I didn't lie, I just couldn't really remember. You admit to
1: 232 breaches. majority of those I didn't do, but I took responsibility so the whole process could be cleared up.
0: But the bit that I just struggle with is that using someone else to do the bets. You said to your mate, I can't have that one in my name. Bets for your team to lose. It's a bigger story. What impact was
1: it having on your life? With me, I never show nothing. on that show has so been times I've just, I'm in a room on my own, looking into thin air and just, it hurt. When I'm back, I'll do the talk on my feet.
0: If you're going to get back to football. Clubs are going to come knocking.
1: The next club I'll go to, if I was to move, it would be a-
0: Quick one before this episode starts. About 75% of people that listen to this podcast on audio platforms Spotify and Apple haven't yet hit the follow button. If I could ask a favour from you, if you've ever enjoyed this podcast, please could you just go and hit that follow button on your app? It helps this show more than I could possibly say. And the bigger the show gets, the better the guests get. Thank you and enjoy this conversation. I always believe that to understand a person, you have to understand their earliest years. I kind of see our earliest years as the like oven that we're formed in. So if, I, if if you take me back to your earliest years, what do I need to know about you to understand the man you are today? What were, were the characteristics of that environment that shaped you? Just out the front of
1: where I live, it's like on the front is a park mm-hmm. and like the older guys would just be out the front playing and there's me at like seven, eight, trying to get involved. And these guys are like 15, 16 and <laughs> they were playing rough. Mm-hmm. No matter if you're eight, nine, 10, trying to play with us, play with them they're going to be rough. So that kind of helped me into today's game, how I am now, progress a lot quicker. And like, even when I was like 16, breaking through at Northampton, I kind of had that bashing around at a young age by yeah. the older guys. So being 16, getting bashed around by men, let's say, I was kind of like used to it.
0: What about hard work? What was your, were you a hardworking man at that age?
1: In terms of running, and you know, I, I never liked running. Yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was always the lazy one at the back of the at the back of the group because I knew when it's time to get on the pitch I will score goals but like we all know hard work beats talent when talent doesn't work hard so it's like kind of like if, you, if you've if got the talent and you can work on the hard work and put them both together then you give yourself the best chance of becoming a top athlete
0: and you and you put the work in to improve that part of your game and attitude
1: yeah I had to because there was but when I was training like when I was at Leicester I got told I wasn't getting a scholarship there so then I went to I didn't really want to play football as much because being rejected at Leicester it's kind of like oh, okay let me just chill for now but then like my parents just like go to go to Northampton because there was a game that we played Northampton when I was at Leicester and then I think Northampton said if anybody gets released from them let us know I think Leicester must have put me in touch with Northampton. It was, I was kind of like, I'm in an hour and about going. But then I ended up going and it was kind of like, everybody's playing for a scholarship. And then it was like on the last day, everybody already knows they're getting a scholarship. And I was the only one that wasn't told. So everybody's in the dressing room talking, ah, oh, we've got scholarship, scholarship. And I'm there still on trial thinking, when am I getting told? And it wasn't until the next morning on the meeting, like the first meeting where all the scholarship players joined up, I got a phone call and said, he's got a scholarship, we'd like him to come down and I think that point was kind of like, okay, i got a scholarship, this is my chance now.
0: But there was a moment there where you were, because of the rejection from Leicester, you were considering doing something else with your life.
1: Yeah, I feel like nobody likes rejection. Like, (laughs) being rejected is not the best feeling. And it being like, basically, you're not good enough to mm-hmm. be playing football. I, how I saw it, you're not good enough to be playing football, even though it was just I'm not good enough for Leicester. I might be good enough somewhere else. Somebody else might value what my qualities a lot more than Leicester did. It's
0: hard to see that in the moment, though, isn't it? It's a
1: lot. Yeah, it's very hard. It's very hard. And At what? How old? Sixteen? F- it was like fifteen. Fifteen. Yeah. It's kind of like you don't want it. You don't really want that rejection again. It's like a kind of fear of getting that again. Then when I did, like I said, when I got the scholarship, I just knew it wasn't happening again.
0: Because your journey through football, just generally, has been a real climb. You know, it's been a real, real climb. Like, and also I reflect on the fact that most so many kids at that age, sixteen years old, they get they get a rejection and they don't bounce back from it. And if they don't make it to the very top, they'll often take that badly and pursue a different career path. But you were rejected at 16. You persevered. You got into the team at Northampton. You made a good um, good impression there. And then eventually you end up at Newcastle at what, 19? 18. 18 years yeah. old. How was that experience?
1: It was crazy. First time away from home at such a young age. 18 is like... And as well, you thought you was a man. <laughs> like from League 2. There was talks of you going to a Premier League team. And like, I, I would never in the Northampton changing room feel like I was a man. Like, there was talks going on, but nothing's done until it's done. So it's kind of like, actually, before I was going to Newcastle, I was supposed to go to Wolves. Right. But like, I've got there, i got to Wolves. Um, I've met everybody, went in the changing rooms, got my number on, met, uh, took the pictures. They come to the the contract side. And then I think there was a bit of talk with my agent and the club on certain things and then it related back to us. My it was all just confused. Me and my family didn't know what was going on and then out of nowhere the club come out and said, Um, we're not looking to sign you no more due to you having scoliosis in your back. So we was just think we was so confused. From getting the squad number, meeting all the players, meeting all the staff, and then for them to come out and say your scoliosis in your in your back, we wasn't we're not looking to sign you. It's kind of like, is that really the reason? Is there more behind it? But then, from going having to go back to Northampton, like I've said, my goodbyes at Northampton, and I'm supposed to be going signing the Wolves. Then the next day, I'm back in Northampton and training with the boys. Everybody's like, what's happening? And the manager sat me down and said, Listen, don't dwell on that. I'm sure other things will come in, come into place. And I think a few weeks later, Newcastle were interested and I went
0: there. Scoliosis in your back. What is scoliosis? And were they aware that you had scoliosis?
1: I feel like they was aware because before we set up to see a specialist, because they 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 I feel like they wanted to know what was going on, how bad it was, because I think certain Scoliosis, it stops you from walking at a certain age and just gets worse and worse. But I feel like we did see a specialist who said you'd be lucky to be walking at 28 still. Really? Yeah. And then I was just, like, it doesn't really register. Like, you think at the time at 18, I'm thinking, well, I'm fine now. I'm I'm enjoying football now. So it's not really registered. But being 27, (laughs) closer to 28, you kind of think, well... I'm strong, fit, and healthy. Touch food continuously. So,
0: what is scoliosis? Where
1: well, your back's not straight. Um, it's like got a slight bend. Uh, in your yeah, back. yeah, bend.
0: It hasn't affected your game.
1: I don't feel like it has. And go, yeah, going back to uh, moving to Newcastle, it's like going from League Two to Premier League. It's <laughs> <laughs> it's crazy. Like as soon as. I've, since I went there at Northampton you you get recognised but it's not crazy and then going to there Newcastle I'm in the hotel everybody's recognising me straight away it's like a crowd outside the hotel waiting to see me and it's kind of like at 18 this is all happening so fast
0: you're away from home as well away from home damn
1: a long way as well <laughs>
0: what are you what are you feeling when, when Newcastle make that phone call and they, they say they're interested in you and then you move there what does it feel like as an 18 year old because I can only imagine I'm, I was I was always playing football when I was younger I was always hoping a little bit to be a footballer I knew I wasn't good enough but you know I'm going with that whole got injured at 16 <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah it is crazy it is crazy you, This it's so exciting like you want to tell everybody you want to say oh I'm going here tomorrow yeah I'm going here I'm going here but with me how I am nothing's done till it's done mm. especially after the Wolves stuff yeah like that was on the back of my mind so I'm thinking right just wait until it's all sorted then you can tell everyone when I'm so excited I just want to tell this person that person this is happening so it was yeah it was it was crazy my head was all over the place and thinking I'm actually going to the Premier League like I've made it I'm here but little did I know, it was, <laughs> I far from made it. What happened? I feel like when you take that step, you get you get noticed more. You get more money. And you just do silly things. Like, like you get mixed in the wrong crowd, going out here and there, buying things you wouldn't normally buy. Just a bit naive. And as well, being away from my family, although they kept on telling me, don't do nothing silly, look after your money, this and that, you kind of think, okay, but they're not here to control what I've got hold of right now. I can spend it on this. I can spend it on that. Like, you just do things, like I said, things you never normally do. Like, we're getting personal shoppers to come to the house and who don't think I am? Go go to the shop and buy yourself (laughs) stuff if you want to do that. (laughs) So it's like these kind of things. But yeah, I think it didn't come at me fast. I wouldn't say that. I'd say just like a surprise kind of thing. Like, like I said, I thought I'd made it. So whatever happens, I'm fine. I'm in the Premier League.
0: What was the advice that you needed at that point that you didn't get? Like if you could go back now and have a chat with Ivan and say, listen, Mm. bro, you arrive at Newcastle that day and you get a chance just to say a couple of things to him. What do you say? I'll sit down and have a long chat with him.
1: <laughs> <laughs> It'll be a long chat. <laughs> no, I think I'd just say like, this is where the hard work starts. It's not finished. You not. You can't pull it on cruise control. You got to go to extra gear. Like, yeah, I'm at a Premier League club, but I haven't played yet. <laughs> I've not got continuous games under my belt to be saying, okay, i am a Premier League player now? So it's like, I'd say to a yeah, younger Ivan or anybody that's in that situation going, doing such a big jump to say that's when the hard work starts.
0: Were you in cruise control, do you think?
1: Yeah. yeah. If if I, if I even was moving, I'd probably put a handbrake on. <laughs> <laughs> really? Yeah, I just thought, I'm Premier League now. As well, you've seen all the big boys like literally training there. It's like, yeah, I'm here now. And you played two games before yeah. they loaned you out. Yeah, I come off the bench twice against United and
0: Chelsea. And then you went on quite a yeah. long loan spell. Barnsley, Shrewsbury, Wiggins, Gunthorpe. When you find out you're getting loaned out, how do you receive that as a player? I've always wondered this. When you're a young player in the club, big, you're in the Premier League, because I think there's a lot about Manchester United. As being a fan, we always loan out our like, younger lads. And I wonder how how that's positioned to you as a player and how you receive it. It's not the
1: best feeling. Okay. Because at the time, it's kind of like, What well, do you not want me here? Mm. Like, I'm here. Now you want to send me away? Like,
0: Yeah. And you got the personal shopper coming over. So exactly. You need to- yeah, yeah. So I need, to, <laughs> <laughs> I need to
1: sort some things out to be... You can't be in Shrewsbury. <laughs> yeah. I don't think you're that far. But, <laughs> but now, yeah, I feel like, like it's at that age, you don't really think what you're going to learn for. I mean, first team experience is is probably the best at that age as well. And like, knowing like, because I feel like, no disrespect to youth team football, is cool. Like, ticker tacker, pretty football. Then, going to League One, like I said, on loan, you're going to get bashed around. So you need to be ready for that physical battle. And I feel like going on loan definitely helped me. Looking back now, it helped me a lot. But at the time, I was thinking, I don't need to go on loan. I'm ready to be in the Premier League I feel like from young I've always had that that my dad always told me no matter where you are if you have that mentality that you're a Premier League player but at the moment you're just on League One that's fine but if you don't have that mentality that I'm a Premier League player so I don't need to try here then it's not going to work out so it doesn't matter where you are if you have the mentality I should be playing in the Prem but right now I'm playing here that's fine and I feel like you you go you go a long way to where I am now. I'm, I'm player Play and that bit of advice that my dad gave me was was very key.
0: When you went off on loan, and they say, okay, you're leaving Newcastle now. Does that take you out of cruise control and into like, right, I got something to prove again?
1: It should. It should have. But it didn't. But it didn't really because I always believed that no matter what happened, where I went, I'm going back to Newcastle. So no matter if I played didn't play at all or played rubbish and going back to Newcastle back to the Premier League but not knowing the effects that could have or it did have in the end even though I think all the clubs I went to bar one I I left top goal scorer but it was like I could have looking back I feel like I could have went that extra step further
0: You had a good spell as well at uh, Scunthorpe United Six goals and fifteen appearances. Showed a huge promise while you're on your loan spells as a prolific goal scorer. And then at twenty two years old, you transferred to Peterborough United after failing to secure a regular place at Newcastle. Now that that must have been an interesting moment because that's kind of like another knockback, in it. Goes back to like Leicester, the Leicester rejection and stuff. That's like another step down. You've made it to the Prem, and now you've got Got to take a step down.
1: Yeah, it was a massive not actually not I wouldn't say a massive knock knockback. It was a knockback, but it was kind of like maybe a knockback I needed at the time. Because like I remember sitting down with my dad and the, my agent at the time and saying, Listen, like me and me and my dad are brutal. Whoever we work with, we want the we want the honest, honest truth. No matter if they say we don't want him, he's not good enough for us, I'd rather my agent tell me that. But how the relationship was at the agent with my agent at the time, he kinda of sugarcoat things. Right. So me and my dad kinda of had to get out of him. What did the club say? Like, just tell us, be honest. And his words were, The club don't think you're good enough already at the time at this moment in time. So it was kinda of like in my head it was like, Okay, fine, no problem. It's time for me to go elsewhere, then regroup and restart. It wasn't like I was too old. It was just it was just a knockback and set back that. Like I said at the time, probably needed to kickstart my journey again.
0: Do you think Newcastle were right in saying that?
1: Um, possibly. Like, don't get me wrong. Newcastle are a great club. They had some. They've had some great players and doing very well at the moment. But I feel like I didn't really have a chance in the first team to prove if I was good good enough. I feel personally, anyway. And to be fair, at the time was when Newcastle were fighting to stay stay up in the Premier League when Rafa Benitez first come in. Oh, yeah. So it's kind of understandable. you wanted these players to try and keep them up.
0: We wanted experience and stuff more than, like, to be giving youth, younger players a chance and stuff. Is that what you're saying?
1: Yeah, I feel like, I mean, you can't really put so much responsibility on youth players or young players to keep you up in the Premier League. It's, it's such a big ask, but... Feel like maybe this, the following season it was kind of like could he get a sniff, and I think he kind of brought his, his his own players in and done his own own thing, which is that's that's football.
0: So off you go to Peterborough. Um, you're closer to your family at this point, yeah, which helps. Closer,
1: yeah. I'm a mummy's boy at heart, so I leave my mum around,
0: close. And did it change your attitude moving to Peterborough on like this whole cruise control thing?
1: Did yeah, it? it did, and especially. When I went to first went to Peterborough, I wasn't playing. Like the first, I'd say, 10 games, the strikers that were in front of me was scoring every game, assisting, playing well. But the manager at the time, Steve Evans, was just saying, don't worry, your chance will come. And when your chance comes, it's up to you to take it.
0: And your chance came.
1: Yeah. And, and then took it. <laughs> uh, yeah, 100% took it.
0: You scored 24 goals in 32 League One games at Peterborough, which is insane.
1: Yeah, I feel like, yeah, like, well, the, like the the competitions all over the field, but especially as, as a striker, you need to, your job is to score goals. And especially when the other two are scoring goals, if you get that one sniff and you don't score, you're back out again. And it gives him another opportunity.
0: And the director of um, football at Peterborough said you are an incredibly hard worker. He also said you were their best defender because you headed away nine out of ten corners.
1: (laughs) Um. I feel like, yeah, those games, I kind of had a magnet on my head that was just bringing the ball towards me. But yeah, no, I think the hard work as well. Like when when I'm loved by a manager, I feel like, and a club, I feel like it's in me to want to give back. I want to do a lot of things for like run for a brick wall for the manager that's wanted me in this position.
0: Did they become like proxy father figures to you in that regard? Because you're clearly a man that's close to your father. Mm. Did they kind of, you know, you see what I'm saying? Is that is it a similar relationship? Like a where you want to do them proud?
1: Yeah, hundred percent. Especially when I signed, like with with when I first signed at Peterborough with Steve Evans. Like the first time he spoke to me, he was just it was like a friend, like a normal chat. Even though you have the respect as a manager, but he was saying, "Listen, I want you to come in, and score goals." and go 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 higher Mm. like the goals you score for us benefits you and us because we're going to go higher and you're going to go higher so it's a win-win and I think him putting an arm around me at that time knowing I've come from a Premier League club and saying it's not really a knockback this is where you kick, kick start your journey again having that I think definitely helped me
0: And didn't you have, I read somewhere that you had a agreement with them, like a verbal agreement that if a bigger club came knocking, they wouldn't stand in your way, Peterborough. That
1: probably was a verbal agreement, but if anybody knows the (laughs) Peterborough staff and the owners, then they probably have different ideas. But I mean, yeah, I guess when I did go, that was the right timing. Every every player thinks when there's a move on the cards, you want to try and rush it through. And if things aren't right, they're, they're not right for a reason. Like you can't rush, good things. Good things aren't rushed. I think at the time that was a chance I could have went to somewhere. I was trying to rush it through, and he was like, "Don't worry."
0: Oh, uh, really? So there was offers from other clubs. There
1: was offers from other clubs, yeah, but big clubs, um, bigish at the time. Okay, like so championship he, clubs. Yeah, championship clubs. And he was saying, "Just, just be patient. You're gonna get a better, better club." And I'm just there, like, not kicking my, not throwing my toys out of the pram. Just be like, wow, this is a chance to move now." We used to know what can happen, blah, blah, blah. And then I ended up staying and, and I went to Brentford, which was probably the best choice in the end.
0: And yet around this time, I mean, just before then, 21 years old, you become a father for the first time.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's that's as well what helps me kickstart my journey as, as well, because I feel like I've got people to provide for. Um, I have expensive taste as well, so it's either choosing my expensive taste or <laughs> my family. So if I could school goals and help both, then it's perfect. So I think that's what helped me pick things up and had to provide for people.
0: Does that focus you? Cause I'm not a dad yet, but I, it's around the corner for me, I'm sure. Um, does that focus you, your priorities in a sense? Like, does it make, cause I speak to my, my mates who've all had kids and they almost describe that moment when their baby first comes. They kind of see the world differently, and their like responsibilities differently, and stuff.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent. Like you can't do the things you normally do. You have to think, baby, first <laughs> in all aspects. Did
0: it's it like, make your game better?
1: One hundred, yeah, really, Def, yeah, one hundred percent, definitely. How? It's in like, I want to make him proud. Ah. So when he's older, that's my dad. He's done this. He's doing this. This is this. So it's kind of like a pride thing, as well as wanting to do well. For my family and have, have a better, better lifestyle for everybody, not just me and my people. I provide for.
0: When, when did you find out that Brentford are interested?
1: It was actually training at Saint George's Park, yeah, uh, with Peterborough. And there was talks of going here, there. And I was kind of like, I'm an R just like yeah. When it's when it's something concrete, then let me know. Uh, right now, I just want to focus on training hard Because it's easy to be led astray When this club's interested in you This club's interested you You hear loads of things But then nothing's concrete Like, it's, it's all well and good These are looking at you These are looking at you But these times, I'm not a kid no more mm. When they want me and put a bid in Then we can start talking Whereas hearing they're interested What does that mean? <laughs> that doesn't <Yeah>. mean nothing <laughs> Like everybody can be interested, but nobody wants you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So when Brentford come along and I was I was interested and actually put a bid in, it was like, it's like okay. I spoke to the manager. He kind of was straightforward and said, "You're gonna come in and be the main man. We want you to be starting every game and score goals and do your job. Then either take us up or go to a go
0: to, go to a higher club." So you get that call from Brentford, they put a bid in, you speak to the manager, Thomas Frank? Yes. And Thomas says, listen, you're going to be our number one. I think it was a no-brainer. I think
1: I did speak to other clubs. Um, what other clubs? Actually I, went up, actually, I went up to Rangers. Oh, nice. Spoke with uh, the manager there, which was Steven Gerrard at the time. Mm. And
0: Manchester United, did you speak to?
1: Yeah, they said I wasn't good enough. <laughs> nah, like, <laughs> <fucking> right <laughs> <Nah>, no <laughs> nah, 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 yeah i went to i went to um I went to Rangers, we spoke a bit but then they said there was like two i think there was two strikers at the time, mm. and then I was looking to get another one in, so it would have been like four strikers, i think, and I think the formation they play is majority of the time one striker at top,
0: so you would have been like third choice or something, yeah
1: something like this but and then uh, we went to celtic, we spoke to Celtic. And I think it was like the same there. I'm one of three strikers or something like this. And I think at the time of when it was, I was moving, I wanted to be like the main guy. Mm -hmm. Like I think the crucial thing for me is playing games, even though I back myself on competing with other strikers, but I want to be know that when I go in, but first first look through the door on the main man up front. And it's up to me to keep my position. And I feel like when I went to well, when I spoke to the manager at Brentford, he pretty much said, You're the main guy. And I don't see nobody taking your spot. So you make sure you produce the produce goods and it's yours really.
0: You you've worked at a lot of clubs. Um you've played at a lot of different clubs. Brentford are special. They're really, really special because they are based on their resources, they are objectively overachieving in a really, really significant way. Um, what is it about Brentford from your experience that is make? what is that magic that they have?
1: Hard work, plain and simple. Hard work. Like we're not the best technically gifted team. We have some magicians in the team, but other than that, it's just hard work. I mean, and we fear nobody. We respect them, but we don't fear them. So when we go to the Let's say, Anfield away, or Chelsea away, or these kind of games. We know they're probably on paper better than us. Got some big names and this and that, but if the, the, at the end of the day, the main thing that wins games is hard work and a little bit of quality, I guess, putting the ball in the back of the net. And I feel like throughout the throughout the club, everybody knows what the manager wants. You have to, you have to, you have to be willing to run for your teammate past your left past your right and the fans and everybody and everybody knows the responsibility they have on their shoulders when they step onto the pitch so I think that's that's probably what's brought us to where and how well we're doing at the moment and even like at the moment the team playing without me I, I hear and people say oh do you reckon Brentford gonna be like this now you're not playing this and that and I'm thinking no they're not gonna struggle because <laughs> They, they work hard. And when you work hard, you give yourself the best chance of winning a game. And I, I, I know deep down, Brentford would be fine, with or without me.
0: Well, You've played at a lot of clubs, right? So you can kind of compare and contrast. Is there anything else other than just that work ethic that you've noticed is just different at Brentford? So you've got super hard work. Is there anything else, their, their approach to things or the strategy or the way that they...
1: I feel like the to- togetherness as well, how everybody's like, Everybody talks with everyone. Mm-hmm. Like I've been at clubs where it's like a certain group sit there, okay. certain groups sit there, like everybody's divided. It's like but it's not that at Brentford, everybody mixes with everybody. Like you got people of Spanish, Danish, which is majority of the club at the moment. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Um, English and everything. And everybody just mixes together. So it's not like oh, let me where where are my friends, where should I sit down at lunch? You just get your lunch. Sit down here. You talk with forever, and the manager. That comes from him. I feel like he makes sure the togetherness and the humbleness. Like there's no nobody at the club thinks they're better than nobody. Like even last season, I scored 20 goals. I was I wasn't about nobody. I was the same. The person that doesn't really play too much, they're not less of a person than me. We're mm. all the same. We're all in it together. So I feel like. That comes from the manager and his philosophy at the club and how he wants things to be run.
0: What are the things that you, I often think with managers and CEOs and stuff, like there's, they have their like core principles, which you just get bored of hearing because they say it over and over and over and over again. What are those things that he just repeats over and over and over again?
1: Togetherness. Yeah. Humble. Yeah. And attitude.
0: And I guess he polices that pretty. Yeah, all the time. It's
1: all over the club, it's all in the meetings. Which is probably why, like I said we do we're doing so well as a club and as, as, as a whole whole unit
0: what's the what's the dressing room the training ground dressing room culture like can I ask this because I've spoken to so many players at United in particular, and especially in the Fergie areas, they always talk about the like the, the self policing culture in the dressing room, you know like what's that like versus other it's, clubs?
1: Yeah, it's like like I said, it's yeah, it's good. Like, there's other clubs I've been at; it's it's been good as well, but not how it is in Brentford. I feel like Brentford is probably one of the best dressings I've been in, in terms of everybody knows their drill, everyone everyone knows their position. Everybody's helping others, like everybody's just like the respect if something's on the floor, tidy pick up, put it in there. Like, them kind of things is key if you want to be. Achieving something big, and I feel like with that in the change room as well as in the gym or in the in the in the dinner hall, is key, and everybody's up for everybody. it's like one big family unit.
0: Twenty six years old, you're named Brentford's Player of the Season. Um, you scored twelve goals in the first Premier League season, and then you scored twenty goals in your second Premier League season, finishing third in the Golden Boot rankings behind Haaland and. Harry Kane that's big yeah <laughs> <laughs> it
1: is big it is big but sometimes I don't really realise how big it is because sometimes I'm at home and I'm thinking yeah but well, I'm not first in my head if you're not first you're last then like my family say "But look who you're behind and look at the calibre of players that are playing in the Premier League and you've scored more than these guys I'm always thinking yeah but I could have scored more and
0: you think you could score more than Haaland? <laughs>
1: what you got somewhere? It's like 30-something, 30 36. 36. I mean, not...
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, not more, but I look back on chances that should have been a goal. And I feel like there probably is like 15, 16 chances that I probably could have scored or should have scored. So if I was as clinical as Haaland was, not to say i will beat him, but <laughs> I could be a lot higher than a lot higher than 20
0: England England's football team I saw I think I saw a post on your Instagram a couple of weeks ago about that being a huge dream for you to play for England
1: yeah I think everybody wants to play for England
0: yeah as a kid just kicking (laughs) the ball at the shed
1: I remember just screaming like Gerard's name and Lampard's name like when them on the field just kicking and like you said when that Opportunity was around and I was in talks of it. It just didn't it didn't feel real from being Ivan from the Fountain, just playing out the front, getting bashed around by the older lot to actually having a chance to play for England was something I would never have dreamt
0: of. You missed out on the final World Cup squad. Um, lots of circulating rumours about why. Well, do you know why?
1: Um... I guess I guess it comes down to the allegations on the betting scandal, but I feel like personally, I felt like it was a bit of a questionable time when they decided to bring it all out, and then when they actually dealt with the situation come the end of the season, it's kind of like, "Why'd you bring it out then to and then punish me at the end of the season?"
0: So, they brought it, so you, I guess you're saying that you suspect they brought it out at that time to prevent you going to play for England?
1: I assume so, and to make it a bigger story. Ah, uh, okay. Personally, anyway, I don't know if it's true. Like, I'm not to know what's behind the scenes, but I feel like if you have somebody go into the World Cup that's supposed to be betting, then it's kind of like
0: a bigger story. What's the? I'm not very really clued up on this whole, whole FA thing. So the FA the England team play under the FA. Yeah. And the FA are also the sort of body that brought the charges against you. Yeah. So they, so one might assume that they released the charges at that point because if they didn't then there might be some ramifications on the England team or the perceptions of the England team or something. Yeah, I assume so. Right.
1: Like, like, I'm not too aware of all this stuff but I feel like it was a bit of a coincidence when they decided to bring it it all out and then having to be dealt with the punishment at the end of the season so far after. Mm. It's kind of like, I mean, you know, well, I feel like, yes, I'm banned now, but the biggest punishment for me was missing out on playing at the World Cup, personally. I felt more hurt and... What's the word? Kind of like... yeah i just i just felt i felt down around the time I felt like somebody's out to get me at that time to stop me from playing for England in my head like that's just how i see, seen it at the time it's like they want to punish me for this missing out on England the world Cup like that's everybody's dream to be playing at the World cup and then further down the line banned me as well it's kind of like a double hit, I feel. In a sense whereas like I said, if he was gonna do if he's gonna stop me from going to the World Cup, do it there and then and deal with it, deal with the whole situation. Rather than doing that, missing out on the World Cup and then let me play the rest of the season and then banning me after the season. It's it doesn't add up in my head to be fair anyway.
0: When you say how, I felt down about it, what does that mean in, in real terms? If I was a fly on the wall in your life when when that information came in?
1: That was probably my, <clears throat> excuse me, that was probably the, like, the lowest point. I was like, with me, I never show nothing. I don't show emotion too tough. But I think that was probably the lowest point I felt. Like, you'd ask me about it, I was like, uh, yeah, he's what he's. But like, it was, it's what it is, it's kind of like. I
0: don't want to talk about
1: it. Yeah, damn. It hurt. It did hurt.
0: Do you, do you cry?
1: No, I don't feel like crying solves anything. Personally, that's my personal views. Everybody says to me, you need to show emotion. You can cry, it? it's, it's okay. But, like, I feel like I've only cried once when I see my man cry. I'm losing my pap and seeing her hurt as much as she was killed me inside. And then it was kind of like, I didn't cry, or cry, but it was like tears in my eyes coming down. And it was kind of like, it was painful.
0: Do you express your, how you're feeling to anyone in your life at that point, to your partner, to your family, your mum, your dad, when you when you find out that you're not going to play for England and they've sort you know, the rumors are out about this gambling situation, do you tell anyone how you're actually feeling?
1: Um, no, but people that know me know my actions and how that leads to how I'm feeling. Like, I'd be a lot more like snappy about things or I'd just be like, like I can just be like there uh, and someone be talking to me and, and it's not like really registering, but my, my head's not really in the room kind of thing. And that people that know me know, like, Something's up. Something's
0: wrong. What was the reality of the situation? What was going on inside your head? And how was it? When you say down and you say that was the lowest point, how what, what does that mean in real terms? Um,
1: I wouldn't say depressed as such, but it was kind of like not far off that. If anything, towards that direction, but not completely. Because, like, like, still how I stay in my head, it's like, next opportunity, next next day. Another day is another day to put things right and try and be as
0: positive as I can. Have you ever had anxiety?
1: Probably, but how I am, I don't let it get to me as much.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Like, I'd say the loan spells. When, when I'm on loan, I'm in a room on my own. There's been times I've just... Literally sat there with the, without the TV on, just, just sat there. and just like chilling and just looking to thin air and just thinking about things. But I'd never, like I said, I'd never like let nobody know how I'm feeling. Cause how I am as a person, it, uh, I feel like it, it, it eats away at me, but I'm just always the smiley one. Always like like I ask people at Brentford now. I'm the joke. I'm making sure everyone's fine. These kind of things. I think that's my kind of way of beating my emotions. Um, if I see this person happy from me doing that, Mm. then it kind of brings me up to make me happy, kind of thing.
0: Did you Did you not speak to anyone like a professional about about this stuff? Because I always think when we bottle up our emotions, it's not like they go away. It's like almost like they, they eat us up from inside and they, they come out in other ways, like you were saying, snappiness or whatever, or you know. Surely there's someone around you that said you need to see someone.
1: Yeah, that's yeah, there that was. But as well, me being stubborn, it's kinda like,
0: Nah, I'm fine.
1: It's fine. Like, I'll be right next tomorrow. I'll be right later. I'll be right next week. I feel like I can speak to anyone in my family, but like my stubbornness just don't allow me to.
0: I think a lot of men can relate to that, you know?
1: Yeah, 100%. I, I feel like
0: I do need to get better at that, personally. In May 26th, 20, uh, you did a famous tweet. Mm-hmm. Do you know the tweet I'm talking about? Yeah. <laughs> I'll speak soon with no filter. You ready to speak? Um. And what, what uh, did that tweet mean?
1: That was just speak on everything, really. But obviously when I'd done that, it went crazy. And then I think my family just said, listen, you don't need to talk. Just when you get on a pitch, let your feet do the talking. Like, what's it? Damage is done. You can't talk and it's not going to help no situation. If anything, could not damage my reputation or my career, but just make people think. Not that I care what people think, it's just could put in a work set. Who do you think he is? Mm. That kind of thing. But it, it doesn't benefit no parties.
0: What headspace were you in when you tweeted that?
1: Probably a reckless one. Really? Yeah. How are you thinking, feeling? Thinking, pff, I don't care, attitude, I'd say.
0: Kind of a defence mechanism against...
1: Pretty much, yeah. Against everybody. Like even like little things like for the whole situation not not like my friends my friends my friends the one want stick with better people I, I chill with all the time but it's even like when I go I don't know if it's just me thinking certain sort of things but it's like when I go certain places like maybe some people don't want to be associated with me in a certain way of obviously because the media kind of thing and it's kind of like not killing their image but it's kind of like you're doing this guy he's a match fixer he's, he's match fixing football the the and like even like I remember at the time when there was allegations, I wanted to go to a restaurant, and I was like, "No, you can't. Uh, we're, we're we're not taking you." The restaurant. A restaurant. And I was like, "What do you mean?" I was "Because like, ah, the allegations, we're not allowing you in or something like this." I was actually so confused. I was thinking, for starters, it's allegations. And second of all, your restaurant, how can you not let someone in due to bad press? That's what they call it, bad press. I was just baffled and even to like my my car insurance, <laughs> they wouldn't insure me due to the, the whole scandal. And I was just like, a car insurance, they don't want me on their books because, which was baffling.
0: I read through the the whole um, FA report, many many pages. I think it was like twenty five twenty five odd pages. I have it here, just to understand the case better. Just so I made make, made sure I didn't make any errors in my observations. But there's no, I think there's actually a line in there where the commission say they um, didn't believe you were doing any match fixing. It was far from match fixing. Yeah, I, I wrote that down in my in my notes that. Um, they concluded that you hadn't been match fixing or anything like that in their report. Um, so that that allegation from whoever said that the restaurant or whatever um, doesn't seem to have a basis in the report at all. And I'm sure there were certain articles on saying match
1: fixing as well, which is
0: that's probably the media for you making it a big talking point. When the FA first contact you and. And they ask, they make a request for information, don't they? So they want to know more information. Yep. This is dating back to 2022, I believe. When you get that first contact, how does that feel? Like your dad or your agent must have told you that the FA have been in touch. Well, they wanted
1: information from as far back as 2015. So it's kind of like, well, I haven't got that, as, as I haven't got that phone. That I had back then to give you information. But I'm willing to cooperate how I can to let you investigate what you want to investigate. And when I was, when I, the club actually pulled me into a room and they spoke to me and said, they're been in touch with you, match fixing, this and that. They want to speak to you. And I said, okay, no problem. This is problem. Brentford. This is Brentford, yeah. I said, okay, no problem. Like, then he, he was like, have you done any bets? Whilst, whilst you've been at Brentford, and have you been betting on football? And I was like, no, I haven't, I haven't, I haven't done no bets that are fixing fixing foot match fixing football. Like he was like, okay, well, the, the FA want to speak to you. Don't delete nothing on your phone because there's a system that they said they can get back old messages or whatever they said. So I said, no problem. I'm not I'm not deleting nothing. If they can go through what they want to go through.
0: And then they called you in for an interview in May 2022. Yeah. And they ask you all these questions again about what, what you've been involved in with betting, etc.
1: Yeah. And they asked me certain things that
0: happened like I said,
1: seven, eight years ago. And to the top of my head, so much information from me at one time. It's kind of like, I actually can't remember. I can't remember. And it was, I think I was in there for like what f- five hours.
0: Five hours. Yeah, but at that time, you you maintained to them that you you're not better on football. Yeah, and I was I wasn't aware what what that was what that was trying to get. at. You acknowledged later on that you 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 basically lied in that meeting with the FA.
1: I didn't lie. I just couldn't really remember what the, what they was asking for at the time. I couldn't remember until they brought some things in front of me, and it was kind of like, okay, he's talking about my memory, and we, like I said, I cooperated with everything they wanted to do, and we kind of. Spoke on it, and then I told them the truth about everything.
0: One of the things people might find surprising is they they asked for your they asked for your mobile phones and stuff, and then they like image your mobile phones to check like all the messages you've sent to people going back a long time on the on these phones to find out everything you've been said. And also, as you said, they they ask you not to delete any messages, which you didn't from from what the commission said. Um, but how does that feel when the FA ask for your mobile phone and they you know they're going to scan it? everything it does not
1: feel yeah it's just kind of like it's your privacy and they're, they're like invading it it's kind of like I've got certain pitched on there I wouldn't want them to see like <laughs> these kind of things so it's pretty much like you have to go with what they're saying otherwise I feel like I think the, you, you get a longer ban for not cooperating or something like this so it's, what, what what can I do you, have to, you want to take my phone take my phone
0: and all your bank statements as everything. well else for your bank statements which you handed over as well. Yeah. Um you handed over I believe multiple phones. No, just the one phone. Oh, just the one phone. Yeah, okay. yeah. I thought there was a, there was some
1: they, they said that was another phone, but that wasn't that the, was the one phone I had.
0: That as well. And then eventually you admit to 232 breaches of their rules and um, the FA rule E8 um which is bet- betting over five seasons from tw- tw- 25th of February 2017 to betting t- up until January 21. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, I believe so. And like I said, there was people saying I was match-fixing, but none of it was match-fixing. It was just, like I said before, I was betting on myself to school first from, I think this was a while back. And it's kind of like, that's not, like I'm not trying to do, not trying, I'm still trying to do the right thing. It's not like I'm smashing someone and getting a yellow card here, there and everywhere.
0: Yeah. And the report actually does say that. It says that you weren't, you weren't, the commission said that you weren't match fixing, Mm. which is a completely different, completely different thing. They're making bets on like games that you're either you're playing and betting on yourself to score or betting on the team when you're not in the team, Mm. which is what, from what I read, which is what, what happened. Gambling and generally, when did that start in your life? When did you start first gambling? Um, I think it's
1: just kind of like, as you're young, it's like, like a little flutter, they call it, like. In like the fair arcade kind of thing, just trying to win a little change or something or these kind of things. So I'd say like, like around 15, 15. Yeah, 15 as such.
0: And it and it got progressively worse or more intense?
1: As, yeah, I'd say the more money you get, the more, the higher the stakes go. It's kind of like,
0: oh, if I lose this, it's fine. This is coming next month. Was did you not realise, you know, throughout those sort of five years when you were betting a lot, two hundred thirty-two breaches, that your relationship with betting was unhealthy?
1: I think on the on the two hundred was it thirty-two breaches, like yeah. there was there was some bets in there that like I don't recall making that that, but I was willing to take responsibility just to get the process all over and done with because having that hovering over me and trying to concentrate on my career is not. Is not the best feeling. Far from the best feeling. And I don't, I don't well to finish on twenty goals with that hanging over me. But in terms of thinking, do you have a problem? It's kind of like you don't think of oh, if I lose this, this is gonna happen. So it's like, ah, oh, once I won this, 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 and this can happen. And you never think of the negatives. You'd always think of the positives. And being on money I was on which I thought was a lot of the time and it's kind of like it's fine I'll get there in the back end of the month oh that's coming
0: back this and this month oh he owes me this it's fine what impact was it having on your life betting um
1: I feel like it was just the impact it would have it was just waiting for payday right like the amount what happens through the month you wait waiting for payday
0: But you could spend your wage and then wait for payday. Spend your wage, wait for payday.
1: Yeah, but I'd I'd pay and sort everything I need to pay for first, and then it's like I got this to play with. Do that, it's fine. Payday will come soon. So it wasn't it wasn't like spend this money I should be giving here or paying on this.
0: You took care of your. I took care of what needed to be
1: care of, and in my head it's kind of like my money is my money, but I can spend it how I wanna, and. Yeah, pretty much, pretty much like
0: that. I've made my own money. It's so up to me how I want to spend it. One of the one of the things that was quite surprising is bets against bets for your team to lose when you weren't playing in the team. The, you, you you must you knew betting was wrong, right? Like you knew that as a footballer you weren't allowed to bet.
1: My knowledge of not my, my knowledge of betting on football. Though I don't think I recall once somebody coming and just giving. I talk on their experience betting, not you can't bet on football. So it wasn't like, I shouldn't be betting on this, shouldn't be betting on that. And I feel like, I think the bets that were on my team to lose when I'm not playing, I think a few of the, majority of those were within the bets that I know. But personally, I think I didn't, didn't do, but I still took responsibility of them, for them. So the whole process could get cleared up.
0: And you, um, you don't know about some of these bets you're saying because you did them through somebody else. Yeah. Because and you did them through somebody else because you, you knew you weren't allowed to, right?
1: It wasn't through that I knew I wasn't allowed to. It was that I didn't see what I didn't want my parents seeing, what I'm doing with my money.
0: This was a point of contention in the in the documents. The, the FA said, you know, he's betting through somebody because he didn't want he didn't want the FA to find out. You're saying you you bet through somebody else because your parents were the mail was going to their house and you didn't want them opening up the post and seeing it. Yeah, that's right. Essentially. That was a point, the, I mean, the commission go, go their own way on that. Um, and then, okay, so moving on from that, there's, there's all these aggravating factors in the, in the document. Um, was he aware of the rules? I think you eventually admitted that you were aware, aware of the rules in terms of not being able to bet on football. Um. Going back to the days, I think, in Northampton, I think, was it Northampton? One um, of your, Previous, cha- cha- I think your previous chairman at the, the football club was thrown out because of a betting scandal. And then you have a, a relative in your life that was also issued with a, a breach of uh, the FA rules for betting in 2007 as well. So the con- commission concluded that you were aware of the rules and that you couldn't bet. But you sort of counteract that by saying you didn't have...
1: I think it was it was kind of a grey area. Right. Like, I think there was a time where, like I said, the, the, the clubs I've been at... They like, like, beginning of every season, though, I feel like they'd, they'd have somebody come in, but not actually tell you what you can and what you can't bet on.
0: What would that person say? Just like broad. Just his ex-
1: experiences on betting. Like he'd come in and say, This is me betting, this is. Uh, and then I've lost this much, I've come through this. So when if you think about betting, don't do it. So it wasn't like, You can't be betting on football, or You can't be betting on. Yeah, you can't be betting on football. It was just his experiences of. Going through a gambling stage,
0: because uh, so so you didn't know you could you couldn't bet as a player.
1: No, I think I think it was a grey area. Some like you, you'd hear you can, you hit it, you can't, and then there's certain things you say you can't bet on. Like with, with me personally, I feel like it was a grey area.
0: And you admitted in the the second aggravating factor was about knowing knowing whether you basically admitting to whether you were betting or not, and in the interview with the commission. During the process, you said that you had lied earlier on by saying, I don't bet on football in an earlier interview. Um, but, you know, that was one of the first interviews you had and you, you'd responded, I don't bet on football. And, yeah, that, and that, that wasn't accurate.
1: Yeah, that was when, obviously, they threw everything at me. I thought if I was just it, then it's, it's all fine. They wouldn't find nothing, but then... Obviously, they take your phones everything, and everything. Yeah, then everything went through and then, yeah, I admitted to, I admitted to what I'd done
0: and the fa the fourth ag- aggravating factor was whether the player sought to conceal his identity when he set up his own betting account in 2017 the commission um didn't accept the fa submission there they didn't they didn't believe that you'd concealed it in that regard um whether the player deleted messages issue number 5 commission concluded that there wasn't evidence that you'd deleted any messages
1: they they uh, I, I was accused
0: of deleting messages yeah that's right yeah by the fa but yeah. the commission said that they, they didn't have substantial evidence for that yeah um kind of because the same. I was told not to, and you didn't did, delete nothing from the club the commission couldn't find any evidence that you had deleted anything so mm-hmm. um and then the the phone issue we've talked about already, the last issue was around whether you had a gambling addiction, and they brought out a psychologist called Dr. Philip Hopley, who looked you did interviews with you um he's a highly qualified and experienced psych- psychiatric expert according to the commission, and he interviewed you on two occasions, and he formed a clear opinion that you had a gambling addiction. um, And accordingly, the commission accepted the findings of the doctor on this issue. And that's part of the reason that you were given a more lenient sentence um, because Dr. Hopley said that you had an impulsive, uh, compulsive disorder. Yeah. Was that the first time you'd heard of gambling addiction? Yeah. Through this process, this tribunal?
1: Yeah, because I feel like it wouldn't be in me to bring myself forward to speak to one of these people to see if i did have one so it's kind of like like i said my my stubbornness comes comes into play on this one it's kind of like no i'm fine i can stop when i want to stop
0: what, what did he expl- did has someone explain to you what a gambling addiction is since then
1: a little bit yeah we did speak with us hopefully on 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 the on around, around- one addiction is, but it's kind of like you don't allow yourself to believe it like I feel like if you wanna stop doing something, I feel like people think in the head I can stop it wanting but not not knowing deep down you probably can't
0: could you have stopped it
1: probably th- yeah it's it's i feel like it's 50-50. You could could have stopped, but I feel like the thrill
0: on it is kind of like what keeps you going. Because the FA, their sort of counterpoint to that was that there was periods where you you didn't you didn't gamble. So they were they were saying that to the commission that you know it's not gambling addiction because there's parts of his journey where he's not gambling or he's betting on other things, for example. Um, do you still gamble now? No. Anything? No. Any betting at all across any? No. Has that required therapy or any sort of professional support? I
1: think it's kind of being in the public eye. If I was to be like going into these places and these kind of things, I think it's more the embarrassment that it's, like, oh, it's still continuing, like this kind of thing. So I, I, I wouldn't allow myself and the, the, like you look back, You, I think like you sit. You sit take a back seat and look at all the money you've lost and what you could have went on and what, and especially now having people to provide for, it's kind of like, you can't be spending that money on this. It can go to to here or like, just manage your money better. How I look at things and how I look at me, I see that as being naive.
0: We don't really get much information, do we, uh, growing up about uh, gambling? Or really had it like had to spend our money or tax. Especially, I think about you guys as like young, you know, twenty-year-olds that are just you know playing football, and then you become millionaires mm. because you're good at it. It's kind of different for like my pursuit because I'm building a business. You have CFOs, you have finance people around you, you have controls, budgets, forecasts, P&Ls, all this stuff. So you know you're surrounded by like money minds and brains around you when you're building a business. But being a young twenty-year-old millionaire who I'm presuming nobody gave you financial education. No, it's kind of like,
1: like you said, yeah, being having that much money at a tender age, it's kind of like, what do I do with it? And I'm not a family that comes from money, so it's not like my parents could help me a lot with that. Mm. But they they, they would have their say on certain things, but it's like, you kind of have to try and just manage it yourself Mm -hmm. and just assume doing this is the right thing
0: you don't know what you don't know pretty much the bit of this case that I that I was I was I found difficult is the using someone else to do the bets because for me that's that points to like in that he did know I think that's what people would think they'd look at that and go of course 100% conceal it Cause I'm thinking, your mum, your mum and dad ain't opened your post at 27 years old. Like my mum ain't gonna open my post. No, this was, was
1: this is when I was away. Oh, like, you were younger. Home. You were like 20. You were, you were younger, Yeah. 20, 20, so 20. I know my post did go to my parents, and I feel like, of course, your parents want to be knowing what's going on if you're getting this letter through. That's you're not paying this, or like, like I said, seeing what you're spending your money on. And I feel like, because we're a tight family, my mum would worry about that. And there was actually times where she's opened it and she's kind of said certain things about it.
0: And the FA had highlighted the text message you'd sent where you'd said to have mate, I can't have that one in my name. What was the app I gambled on on your phone this time from text messages that they'd found? That's the bit that I struggled with, was I was like, I wasn't sure there. But this chapter of your life has clearly been a big learning moment.
1: 100%. I feel like looking back on what I've done. Well, I changed some bits probably, but it is what it is. And the manner I am now continuing forward is kind of, well, it is different to what I was before.
0: Do you take, like when when we th- to think about responsibility for our actions, mm. what's, what kind, what responsibility do you take for all of this? Where you say, listen, this is, this is what I take responsibility for here. Um, and this is also like, going back to a question I asked earlier about like, what do you wish someone had had said to you when you first did that. I don't know those those bets five five six seven years ago. Um, what's the responsibility you take, and what's the what's the lesson you've taken from this process?
1: I think the responsibility I take was yeah, I was betting on myself to uh, score first, which now you, I know you, sh- you shouldn't be doing. Which I take responsibility, and I take full responsibility for the punishment I'm getting now. Mm-hmm. So uh, it was it would be kind of a, like. And, and what i tell my younger self at around them kind of times it's like manage your money better don't get mixed in the wrong crowd i say and just just don't follow fashion have your own have your own mindset uh mind frame on what you should and shouldn't be doing or if you don't know look more into it and if that's what you really want to do look more into it and what you can and, and can and can't do
0: it's interesting cuz when they were d- deliberating your your punishment one of the things that came to mind is perception mm. and what it would what it, the perception it would send to the rest of the the game um do you think they they made an example of you i feel so yeah do you think that's right
1: i can't i don't think it's right now but
0: cuz you're a high profile premier league player obviously if if you get away with doing something like this this could other players at low lower levels could also Emulate it, so they've got an opportunity here to send a message.
1: One hundred percent, one hundred percent, and I feel like a lot of people think that. In terms of, if I uh, no disrespect to lower leagues, but if I was, well, actually we actually did look at some cases that was, somewhat similar, somewhat worse, and their punishment wasn't, like how mine is I think the fact they see opportunity, the fact that I'm playing in the Premier League, doing well, sniff around England kinda of like, right, this is our chance to punish him, then people know this is kinda of the punishment you're looking at if you want to do
0: what I done. It's funny because I, I was actually surprised to read that in the 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 um the analysis section of this document where it says the perception of the impact of football betting on the integrity of the game is key a key consideration when deciding on your sanction. Mm. Which does kind of suggest that they're quite intentional in making sure that they make an example of you. Um, there are thereabouts in their words um and obviously you have a huge position of influence so that's that's key um and then they submit their the fa suggested that that you get 12 months ban as a suspension i believe and that was their final sanction the commission didn't accept that um ordinarily the, the commission would have imposed fifty 15 months suspension had you not pled guilty to the charges, which lowered your sanction. And, and then also you got another um, reduction in the sanction because of the findings from the doctor who found that you had a gambling addiction, which brought your sentence down to eight months um, and you were fined £50,000. It's interesting because, you know, I, I'm a football, huge football fan, so I want to see you play. Mm. And I, you're you're on such a role. Brentford are on such a role. So like, as a football fan, although you smashed United last year, <laughs> like, it's so it's so good to see like a young black English striker tearing up the game at its peak it's gutting to see you out of the game it is
1: and I feel like like how I am and how people know how I stay this is this is nothing I I know for a fact I'll come back stronger than this and better than I was before like this is gives me the hunger again to recharge and come back on, on another another level like like I said before earlier no time to dwell on things no time to dwell on things. And it's like, just when that first game comes and I can play, then
0: it's not a ball game. It's, it's on. <laughs> <laughs> when you found out you you you're suspended for eight, eight months, well, how did that feel? What's that like? Because um, you know you're in the peak of your powers right now, right?
1: Yeah, I know. It's, it's painful, but I feel like the hard part is kind of now. Nah. Because right now I'll be playing football matches and i kind of be around the players and at the football ground and things like this. And it's kind of like, okay, that's what you want to do, punish me from there. But I feel like keep me away from the ground. If I wasn't as strong as I was in my head, that would break some people. And i like would be talking about mental health and all these kind of things. And what's that kind of doing to a player that's not allowed in the environment, even though you can't play games, but keeping away from the training ground knowing football's their life and that's all they've done from such a young age how is that going to help them at all
0: yeah this this is i completely agree with you i think i think the sanction itself is important because it does send a message and i agree with that but the bit that i just struggle with is that can't train at the club and we know as you you point out there like mental health, keeping active is such an important thing, especially if you've been playing football since you were a kid mm. and it's your purpose. It's what you know. Um, so psychologically and physically, there's a, a real strong case to keep you keep you active. And I've seen a lot of people have their say on this. A lot of people think, you know, you could have trained at the ground and then used that time to educate young players on on gambling. That mm. would have been useful. But to keep you out of the club, not allow you to train and to kind of push you out on your own, it seems. Mm. Doesn't feel like it's smart. It, it
1: doesn't. It doesn't add up with what like the things they push forward. Like, like we say, the whole football community is on big on mental health. Then the FA go and do this and like push me away from <laughs> like my the the whole football environment. Like, by all means, it's not a, a place where I want people to feel sorry for me. Like, that's the last thing. That's the last thing I want. And me as a person, people that know me. Would know that's not what one thing I'm trying to achieve. But so that says, what if somebody that's not as strong as me in the head happens to be going through this kind of situation and their punishment is they're not allowed at the training ground? Like, that would break them. Like, right now, not being around the training ground, it does hurt me, but I just know when I'm at the training ground, train harder, be ready for the the game when I can play. But it's, yeah, like I said, it's not. A nice feeling, and the whole purpose of not being allowed at the training ground is it's baffling to me. But
0: you have hard days, still.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like everybody has hard days.
0: I mean, like with through this process, has there been days where you, like you are ups and you downs, and difficult days where you start you have low moments because you are away from football, the press is on top of you.
1: Yeah, I feel like I've hard hours, hard two hours kind of things in the mornings I'd wake up and be like, oh, can't be us today. But get in the shower, get active. When you're there working, it's kinda like out your head. As much as you don't wanna do it, you'll see the long run that that time I didn't wanna get up, <laughs> didn't wanna didn't wanna put the work in, it's paying off now. Whereas if I'm saying ah oh, tomorrow and then tomorrow comes, I'll do it the next day. So
0: you're still training?
1: Yeah, I'm just, yeah, still keeping fit, still, still doing my own thing.
0: Working with a personal trainer? Yeah,
1: personal trainer, which is which is good. And it's not like a lenient one, it's one one that pushes me. So I feel like I, I've not got it good, but I've got the best people around me to keep me fit and keep me going. And like I said, my family is key. My family is the one that's, well, they're, they're the people that's helping me going as well. And especially my children.
0: You're you're a mummy's boy. Yep. Sometimes in these moments, it's it's difficult for us, but it's harder to watch the impact it has on our family, right?
1: Yeah, 100%. I feel like, like, even when the whole thing was, it was, like, those allegations and the people, like, going into my mum's work and just saying certain things and I'd be at a petrol station, they scream certain things and I'd be with my family and my children. And people just be like shouting dumb things out. Oh, wow. Just like, oh, you're putting like shouting things out, you're putting a tenor on today's game, or these kind of things, or just silly, immature things. And how I am, I'm kind of hot headed, but especially when family are involved and my children are around, it's kind of like. <laughs> It's hard for me not to want to say something or do something or these kind of things. It's like going through that period, it's hard. And people that you wouldn't normally speak to or my parents or family you wouldn't normally speak to, they'd pop up and just be like, ah, oh, what's happening with Ivan? So it's when the bad things come along, and now you want to talk and find out what's going on. Whereas when I'm scoring goals or getting picked for England, you don't really want to say too much. But that's life and that's how people are. And we don't we don't miss them. We see them. We see the evil eyes. So it's
0: Has this process been um has it illuminated um things for you in certain areas of your life? Certain people and certain people that are there yeah. for you and stand, you know? Because I think even thinking about the gaffer, Thomas Frank, he's come to your defense multiple times talking about how he disagrees with the way that it's been handled, the, the sanctions, and he thinks that you should be able to train with the team and um, be out there educating young kids, et cetera, et cetera. He disagrees with the, the decision that, that the commission made.
1: Not just him, South, uh, Gareth Southgate as well. Gareth Southgate, he, yeah, he talk sport. He? Yeah, 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 I know. I spoke to him as well. But
0: How does that feel, and What does that mean to you? It
1: feels good knowing I've got um, them behind me, obviously the England manager and my club manager backing me 100%. It feels good and it gives me a bit of extra strength to make sure when I'm back, I'm firing. And it gives me that bit of hunger. Not that I'm lacking it, but I feel like the extra boost to feel like, okay, it's on when I'm back
0: kind of thing. And the club standing by you in such a way, has that kind of cemented your loyalty a little bit to Brentford?
1: Yeah, I feel like... Like I said earlier, I want a manager and a club to like really want me and put their arm around me, and I feel like throughout the whole situation, Brent Brentford have done that. Like even even the players as well. Like I spoke to loads of them. They don't agree with it, but it is what it is.
0: And, and your mum?
1: Yeah, she's like when I like going back to the tweet when I said, when I put that tweet out. she was the first person that rang me and messaged me and said, "Listen, you don't need to do nothing." Just don't do no more please. I've been saying how she's been sick for, she feels sick in her stomach for however long throughout the whole situation and putting out there she's just thinking it's going to damage me and damage her and damage the family and things like this so I just thought okay let me just do the talk on my feet and when I'm back and get, get the family not that they're not smiling but happily happy again and I'm sure they can't wait. Well, they, they can't wait to see their son back on the pitch scoring goals.
0: Does she? Does it mean the most to you to make her happy and to make her feel good?
1: All my family, yeah. I feel like, like she always just texts me randomly, and she's like, uh, she always. Say, I don't want to bother you. And sometimes I just check on what I'm sitting on WhatsApp to wait for you to come online to know you're okay and alive and well. And but that's just that's how my mom is like. There'll be sometimes like my mum, she knows, and she does. She calls me random times. It'd be 12 at night or it'd be early doors. Just checking in, I was fine. I love you so much, this and that. But yeah, that's our favourite one, checking to see if I'm online on WhatsApp, rather than pestering me in her eyes. But so I think making them happy and making them smile is what is what gives me the thrill to do well.
0: The Brentford fan base,
1: yeah, strong, massive, Show- showing and you a
0: lot of love as well. Support. Yeah,
1: yeah, where I go, I get I get love from the Brentford fans, so that's good and that's key.
0: What's your uh, you're going to get fa- back to football, mm-hmm. and uh, you you I can feel you've got a certain fire inside you. Yep, I think
1: I just not that I need to prove anybody wrong, but there's there's a lot of Haters and doubters out there thinking he ain't gonna be the same man when he comes back. Actually, they're right. I'm gonna be a different man, and be even better than that that guy that scored them goals before. So, how do you know? Because I'm built different. My mentality is different. I'm not one of these. Ah, oh, he could have been a great player hadn't he done this. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna go beyond that. And it's like I said, not a point to prove, but. Points of to, to myself.
0: How do you ensure that happens? Like what is it that cause I think about controllables. What is it that you can control to make sure that you come back even an even better player? Is it just training harder? Is it what is it that you're
1: It's training harder, but in my head, I, every time I step on a pitch, I'm I'm thinking in my head, I'm gonna score today. I'm gonna score, I know I'm gonna score. When a chance comes, I'm gonna score. Cause in a game, you you bounce get a chance that you should be scoring. So in my head now I'm thinking right, when I do play and I do get that chance that I should be scoring, it has to be a goal. So it's going to be a goal. What if it's not? The next one will be a goal. What if it's not? It will be. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be two goals.
0: You know, Brentford is a fantastic team. I think of all the teams in the Premier League, if we talk about admiration, I'm, I really admire Brighton at the moment, but Brentford, I absolutely think, are a brilliant, brilliant team. Really tonne of admiration <laughs> for them. Um, there's a lot of people that are obviously linking you to other clubs and saying, oh, is he going to join this? Manchester United, and all of that. <laughs> How do you receive all of that? You know, all these links to... Because everyone's looking for a striker. Strikers are like the hardest to find. Yeah. Goal scorers in the Premier League. You've got Haaland, you've got Kane, he's gone. Now Now you're technically the second best striker that's currently in the league on paper. So, you know, these big clubs are going to come knocking. They're going to say, you know, Chelsea's got fucking unlimited money over here. United, we Oof. need a striker. <laughs> how do you receive all of that
1: I mean like from young and like I said I don't let this all affect me obviously you hear it all going on in the background but my job is to keep training well when I get the chance in the games to keep scoring and doing well but I think everybody wants to play at the top of the tree and not that Brentford aren't there but I feel like playing for a big club fighting for trophies and these kind of things everybody wants to do and if The chance was to come along. I think I'd be silly not to to look more into it, but I feel like, yeah, and the manager knows that I want to be playing at the highest level level possible. And whenever that time comes, then so be it. But I can't think, my time at Brentford's been been, good. It's been probably one of the best times in my career.
0: And that's a special club, like, they just got something, they got a culture there, which is super special. Mm. So, you know, that culture you described will get the best out of you as a player, for sure. So it's like, great talent, great culture, equals great results. It's like one plus one equals three.
1: Yeah, no. Yeah, I like the next club I will go to, if I was to move, it would be like, uh, the right club.
0: When you say the right club, you're not talking about Liverpool, are you? <laughs> I heard you're a I Liverpool mean, fan. Yeah, a Liverpool
1: fan, a Liverpool fan. I feel...
0: You've been a Liverpool fan your whole life.
1: Yeah, I've been a Liverpool fan my whole life, but from young, I've liked, I've liked Arsenal. I like watching Arsenal from how they play and the kind of how passionate fans are. But yeah, a Liverpool fan, Liverpool boy at heart. And
0: so Liverpool at heart, love how Arsenal play, love their style. Yeah. Anything about so, Manchester United? Ivan? I like I like <laughs> Bubotov when he was there. Okay, he's...
1: I liked watching United a lot when Bubotov was there. So
0: okay, but well, we do actually need a striker. So <laughs> I've actually got a contract here that Eric and Richard Arnold have given me. So <laughs> imagine, imagine. Now, well, listen, I hope you. Um, I I just want to see you back playing again because I think uh I think it's a it's a gift to the Premier League your talent and also when I look at your story you didn't have a straight line that a lot of people have in football. You went up, down, up, down, up, down, up, down, and you persevered because the talent is, you can't argue with it. You can't argue with the talent. And so this whole gambling section of your life, um, it's a bit of a blip in there. You know, it's a hurdle you've overcome and you've taken, taken your, your, your punishment. Um, you move on from that. You admit responsibility. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Um and so now it becomes the back about, again about the football.
1: Yeah, like you said, the journey's been it's been wild, it's been crazy. And if if I was to read a book on myself, I'd say this guy's done a lot and been through a lot, and he's still fighting and he's still climbing to the top of the tree. Like, how's he manage all that with everything that's gone on?
0: What's the goal? You know, if I if we if we have this conversation again at the end of your career. And we sit down here and we go, man, and you go, damn, that was a successful career, Steve. What happened? I
1: want to be playing for England and scoring goals. I don't want to just be, oh, he played for England a couple of times. I want to be the main man wherever I go. And and for England. I know they got Harry Kane that is probably one of the best strikers in the world, if not the best. So, and that's what I'm up against, so I need to get to that level. So it just takes working hard and keep keep, keep fighting.
0: got little... Euros around the corner as well.
1: Yeah, and that's another that's another place I want to get to, which I do believe that in my head. I'm ready. I'm, re- I'm ready to
0: get to. So. And at club level, what are your ambitions there in football?
1: Um, win, win, win trophies, win some silverware. I feel like. I feel like i want to play for the highest highest level possible playful with play play for a club that's I'm loved at not just one of but I feel like like with all my moves I've not just gone to a club for whatever or money or whatever i've gone it's, it's been the right step for me, and I've achieved something every year. Every year I've just got
0: better and better. You want to win the Premier League one day?
1: That's that's the aim. That's the aim. I want to win the World Cup also. I want to win trophies that's like wow. And being from where I'm from Northampton not many people can achieve them things or be like yeah he's been at the World Cup he's won the World Cup. And like, even then like my mum still lives in the same house. Really? She, yeah, she doesn't want to move. She, she likes being there and people will one day be like, yeah, Ivan's mum lives there. I'd well, rather do that now, but it'd be more of an achievement when I've won something like that. And be like, yeah, Ivan's mum's there. My Ivan comes there all the time. I think that's kind of, kind of how we are, how I am. And you can see like my mum, she doesn't want to move into some big house. She feels safe and comfy. At the house where she's at and that shows that I have no no choice but to be grounded and you've <laughs> got
0: three kids as well yeah
1: three little boys do
0: you think about them do you think about what the legacy you want to leave that they're going to grow up and learn about does that cross your mind a lot
1: yeah it, yeah it does I want to leave a legacy that they don't have no pressure on their shoulders to walk into I just want to whether there is a football or whatever industry they look to go into which obviously I would want to say it's football <laughs> But whatever they, whatever they do I want them to be successful And be like Be strong Like my children I feel like I'd want them I do want them To have the same Like bring an I had. Like I wouldn't put them To that Private school And all these things Because I don't want to Just give them everything I want them to Have to work For certain
0: things What advice would you give them About how to how to navigate Say they uh, They do go into football All three of them mm. And they say they come to you one day. They say, "Dad, listen, I've just got a call from you know, the biggest club in the world, Manchester United, and, uh, <laughs> and I'm gonna I'm gonna accept it and go go to Manchester United, play under Eric. Um, I need some advice, Dad. I'm you know I'm on my way tomorrow. What advice can you give me, Dad? Have the
1: mentality as you're the best player on the pitch. You might not be, but having that mentality will help you play better and just have the hunger." If you haven't got the hunger or the drive, you'll step behind already. I'd say like, also, attitude is key. Because I'll get you a long way.
0: Not just in football or work, in life. Quick one, I discovered a product which has changed my life called Eight Sleep. And I'm so proud to say today that I had a chat with the founder of the brand and they are now a podcast sponsor. And one of the things I've come to learn on this podcast from speaking with sleep experts like Matthew Walker is how important temperature is When it comes to sleep, the temperature of your room, the temperature of your bed. And also one of the big insights I had from speaking to some experts was that the temperature of the room should fluctuate throughout the night as you move through different stages of sleep. So when you first get into bed, it should be quite cool in bed. It should then get a little bit cooler And then the temperature should increase near the end. And that is a reflection of what would have happened in nature once upon a time. You've probably come to learn that I have sponsors on this podcast that I use and products that I love. My sponsors should be a reflection of the conversations I'm having, but also a reflection of what I'm using in my life. So to celebrate them being a new podcast sponsor, I always want to get a discount for you guys. And I've got one. Go to 8sleep.com, which is E-I-G-H-T sleep.com slash steven and if you do that you'll save a hundred and fifty dollars on the pod cover that i have on my bed the one i'm talking about grab your pod cover send me a dm and let me know how you get on A quick word on Huel, as you know, they're a sponsor of this podcast and I'm an investor in the company. One of the things I've never really explained is how I came to have a relationship with Huel. One day in the office many years ago, a guy walked past called Michael and he was wearing a Huel t-shirt. And I was really compelled by the logo. I just thought from a design aesthetic point of view, it was really interesting. And I asked him what that word meant and why he was wearing that t-shirt. And he said, it's this brand called Huel and they make food that is nutritionally complete and very, very convenient and has the planet in mind. And he, the next day, dropped off a little bottle of fuel on my desk. And from that day onwards, I completely got it because I'm someone that cares tremendously about having a nutritionally complete diet. But sometimes, because of the way my life is, that falls by the wayside. So if there was a really convenient, reliable, trustworthy way for me to be nutritionally complete in an affordable way, I was all ears, especially if it's a way that is conscious of the planet. Give it a chance, give it a shot. Let me know what you think you know when you did this this tweet the famous tweet mm. i'll speak soon with no thought i understand that it came from a place of anger mm. like a bit defensive whatever mood settles your mum texts you you're like okay yeah. <laughs> maybe this is not gonna help the situation there was a lot you wanted to say right you wanted to talk specifically about the allegations you've decided now from what you're saying that it's not worth it for you to like go in and dispute things and mm. say this that and the other is not true but was there anything that you do want to say to like the football community or just to the world generally as a message when you tweeted that like Outside of like the, the stuff where we're like a bit bitter and hurt because yeah. of everything that's going on and people are attacking you or whatever. Is there anything else you wanted to say? Because I just want to give you a chance just to... Um,
1: not really. Like you said, most of it come from anger and it's kind of like everybody's against me kind of thing.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But with that, it's kind of like I was more worried on people like thinking how I am. How, how, how I am as a person like what they read and what they hear, rather than how I actually am. Mm. But the the people around me, friends, family, the only people I should be worried about, they know how I am. Why do I need to explain to Bob down the road how I actually am? I'm probably never going to see him again. So th- it doesn't matter that. Why am I explaining that? And why am I going out there to give it like a back and forth? Like, I don't need to do that. And it doesn't benefit me. It just benefits him in trying to get more reaction from me. Mm-hmm. So, like you said, it it definitely was out of an anger, anger kind of moment. It's kind of like, all right, let me say this then. Let me say that. Not knowing the knock on effect it could it could have. So it's it's not. I don't need to try and prove nobody wrong or prove nobody right. It's just focus on myself family and do what I do best which is playing well and scoring goals speaking with your feet correct
0: i did want to talk to you about one last thing you did a tweet as well about a dm someone sent you yeah um someone had dm'd you calling you a black c word um and you posted the tweet um you, subsequently you stopped taking the knee during at the start of premier league games and such racism in football Do you you still receive racial abuse um, still today?
1: Yeah. You do? If I was to post everything I've received that's been racist, I'd have easily around 100 messages. Easily just reel off there,
0: there, there. Has that increased since the sanctions were made against you from Uh, the commission?
1: No, because I feel like most of it's just betting... Rubbish that I get, that like people are saying, but I feel like most of it's from playing a game and <laughs> someone's bet on you or you haven't scored, and then they come on, come for you for like these kind of things, or the fantasy league, football, yeah, yeah, football yeah. league, like you don't get enough points, and now come at you like this, or you'll score to lose that bit, or just things like this. Why did you
0: stop taking the knee?
1: Because I feel like it's it's a token gesture, it's not really, it's lost its purpose. And I, like you can see, like, before games, some people, like, run off with that. Like, oh, I forgot, the knee. I forgot about that. Like, the purpose isn't there anymore. No I don't think that's doing nothing in the game to help stop these kind
0: of things from happening. More needs to be done for sure, for sure. 100%. All over the world, not just in the UK, but we obviously saw what happened to Vinicius Jr. as well in the in the La Liga. Um, and it does does feel like if there was harsher action taken... Then a lot of this stuff wouldn't be happening, even from the platforms, and and also from the police. Um, you know, I some... think,
1: yeah. The most most well, some of them are from abroad, and it's kind of like if it's not in the UK, they can't do nothing about it.
0: Mm.
1: And I'm like, okay, so what? You just keep sending from wherever, mm. but yeah, it's, we can't really do nothing. It's not, it's not. As... Okay, so it's fine. then basically, you're saying it's it's fine. Yeah. So like, what, what'd you do? But yeah, I feel like it's lost its purpose. Personally, anyway. And I feel like it's kind of like puppets. The people at the top are kind of like, let's try this. Let's, well, let's do this. Keep people quiet for a bit. Just do that and we're trying. Like, mm.
0: It's not trying. You're counting down the days now.
1: Yeah, I literally am. Um, it's like, really? Kill at Christmas, yeah i count a day count down the days or two I can train and be around the boys because, like, being in football prison at the moment, <laughs> when I'm around the boys, I think it won't get easier. Well, it'll get a little bit easier, but not the same as, like, you train a whole week hard at the, at the end of the week. It's no, like, end goal or reward. You're not playing
0: a match. And then, is it January you can play?
1: Yeah, January the 17th.
0: You can train again?
1: I can play matches. Oh, you can play matches, Yes, yeah, okay. 17th for yeah. September, I can, I can train, so.
0: Oh, September you can train and then? September
1: I can train, yeah. Ah, okay, and then I December. I can be in a club around the boys.
0: Ah, okay, oh, so not long?
1: Yeah, not long, not long.
0: Probably. Less than a month? Yeah, it feels like ages though. And then you can play in January. That's going to be a very big game. A lot of people are going to be watching that. Yeah. Do you, do you feel pressure?
1: No, I don't feel, I, I, I thrive off. Pressure when it's like surely he can't do that he's not going to be able to do it and that's what like the, the pressure was like we spoke about after the playoff final and we got the penalty
0: mm-hmm.
1: after the game everyone was like you, you must have been scared like if you missed you probably could have like you could have, probably could have lost it." Would have been massive I was thinking no I, I couldn't wait like I knew for a fact I was scoring that penalty 100% because it was the pressure and like the reward after it gives you a bigger chance to jump into Premier League and more money
0: for family. So, <laughs> Are you trying to prove people right or trying to prove people wrong? What matters more to you? Uh,
1: proving people wrong, so I can have a little digger. <laughs> yeah, I like that. I like when I see certain certain tweets and when I do something, I come back to it and just like a little comment and dig at the person and it's just lots of words like, <laughs> you're right just,
0: you win you've been taking names throughout this process just like oh, this pundit said this this person <laughs>
1: i mean there's loads of pundits that say loads of things and it's, it's all opinions but when i come back school enough, i'm sure they'll go back into the bush and
0: backpedal on what they say ladies and gentlemen i'm interrupting this broadcast with a very special announcement Two years ago, I started writing a book based on everything I've learned from doing this podcast and meeting all of the incredible people that I've had the privilege of meeting, but also from my career in business, from running my marketing businesses, my software business, my investment fund, and everything else that I've been doing in business and life. And from this, I've created a brand new book called The Diary of a CEO, The 33 Laws for Business and Life. If you want to build something great or become great yourself, like the guests that I've sat here and interviewed, I ask you, please, 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 read these 33 laws the book i always should have written if you like this podcast this book is for you and it is available now in the description of this podcast below and every single day until it's out later this month one person that pre-orders it that takes a picture of their pre-order uploads it to their story on instagram or social media and tags me will win a gold version of this book signed by me and there's only 33 copies of those available so pre-order it now tag me on social media when you do and 33 of you are going to win a very very special book we have a closing tradition on this podcast where the last guest leaves a question for the next guest not knowing who they're going to leave it for so they wrote a question for you here in this diary the question been left for you is when have you most had to face your fears probably the ban.
1: Because I think loads of things go through your head. It's like, like I said, from having football at such a young age, not knowing if there's loads of things that go through your head. Like what? How you're going to cope with things. Like at the time, I was kind of like, not wary. I feel like I'm a confident person, but going out in certain places, the topic is going to be about the whole scandal that's going on. People going to talk about it. But I'm, with me, it's like, do so they want to talk about it? They're thinking, do I want to talk about it? Like, I'm not, not scared in a way, but it's kind of like, it's an awkward kind of meeting kind of thing. It?
0: It's like elephant in the room. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> and then it comes to the point where it's like, they'll, they'll say something like, "Ah, oh, I bet you can't do that. And it's kind of like, oh, that kind of thing. But I'm like, yeah, it, it, what's done is done. Like you can talk about it. Don't feel like that. Then, ah. then they talk about it. Then it's, it's cleared. Mm-hmm. So I feel like, not knowing what people are thinking about you, not people, not knowing what pe- people want to kind of talk to you,
0: mm-hmm.
1: not knowing if you're gonna be fit when you come back, or not knowing what you're gonna do whilst you're off, that mm. like, loads of things go into your head, and it's like
0: It hasn't crossed your mind. You might like lose your form or something.
1: That that it actually did, uh, yeah, it yeah, did at, yeah. at the time. But like, I know I can get myself in goal scoring uh, positions, so I don't feel like that that would be such a big issue but it, it does cross your mind like what if I don't score within the first five games six games you're gonna think the, the, the world's ending <laughs> kind of thing but yeah I think that was the fear on uh, these kind of things not
0: knowing what's next kind of thing and as the days have passed it's got easier right
1: it's got easier in ways but it's got harder in like oh okay it, easier as in like soon I'm gonna be around the boys and that's kind of like my head, my head's fine now. I'm I'm at the club, doing what I do best and enjoy. But then it's kind of like, at the end of the week, I can't play games. Whilst uh, at the game, was kind of like, oh. it's like torture
0: watching it. Right? Yeah,
1: it's torture. Like I, I hate watching games. Not when when I should be on the pitch.
0: Do you think you deserve the punishment you got?
1: Um, I mean, if that's the, what the rules are then so be it. That's the punishment I should have got. But yeah. looking on the other cases and the fact that they were lower leagues, it's kind of like, why did he get that and I got this? Is it because he's there and I'm here? But now I feel like if this is a punishment for doing what I've done, then make that, make sure the next person gets that. Make sure the next person gets that. like Make it all fair, fair and correct. i don't think it was fair but it is what it is i can't see i can't change nothing now i can't there's no point me focuses on if it's fair or not
0: because that doesn't help no situation yeah i think it's possible to take responsibility for your actions i did that but also to think that it was unfair because they. I think maybe rightly so. They are they are making making an example of you because those lower league players. It would never send a message, would it? Great, so. so with the big wages and the big status and the popularity and all the upsides comes this other thing, which is like bigger sanctions, bigger publicity, bigger.
1: It's more of a talking point than more, yeah.
0: more of a story. But and I tell you what, you go out there and you start bagging goals. Yeah, ain't nobody going to be talking about I will do, anything I will else do. that's that's another reason i want to be scoring
1: goals so to, to put things right and let people talk about my goal
0: scoring rather than rubbish past i think you i think you're gonna i think you're gonna go back to brentford and i think you're gonna fucking tear it up um because i sense a real deep drive in you that i've not seen in many people um a real sense of like Self belief and conviction. Even what you were saying about the penalties there. Like I played at Soccer Aid and mm. they came over to me and asked me if I wanted a penalty, and I went to the back. I went to the back, <laughs> of, the, to the back <laughs> of the group. I was swerved out so hard. This year we played this year. I got injured before the game at Old Trafford, but I played in training and we had to do a penalty shoot out. was the manager, and um, I just said to myself, "Steve, step forward and take one." And this was to decide who got which dressing room. I took one, I scored it, and then the next day I pulled my pulled my hamstring, got a grade three tear, but I was proud of myself for yeah, stepping yeah, up yeah. and doing it. Yeah. yeah. But that's the
1: I think if you have in your head, I'm gonna do this, mm. you have a better chance mm. of, of thinking, what if this? There's no point in thinking that. But like, even with, with, yeah, back yourself 100. percent Like even with strikers I've played with, like especially the strikers I play with now, like because he's I'll say I'll say his name Brian because mm. <laughs> he knows he's, he's like my little brother. I said to him like, when he missed a chance, he's he gets so angry with himself. Saying, bro, it's fine. You, you're not a robot. You can miss chances. When the next chance comes, you'll score. And he, he he's, he's got a lot better at that, and he has been scoring. So, I think just don't dwell on
0: things. But I mean, you've got a big chance coming up, January. Yes. Yeah, and I hope you score.
1: I will. I know. I, I know. I, will. I know. I know. I do well. And like you said, this is just another hurdle in my bumpy road. But it's all good.
0: It could be worse. Ivan thank you thank you for um. thank you for the time thank you for the inspiration you've given me Um, I feel like I understand you I feel like I understand you and listen we all make mistakes in life I think it's really important we all, we've we all made mistakes I make so many mistakes I think it's yours are obviously more publicly broadcast because of who you are and you're at the top mm-hmm. of the game you're the peak of your powers but um, I think it's important as you said that you you take responsibility for it you move on and you let the football do the talking and I think that's exactly exactly what you have done and that's what um i'm really excited to see from you going forward as i said because you're special you've got a very special talent you've got a very special mentality and a very special talent to match it and uh we can't let that go to waste so we need to it won't go to waste for sure some of the people around me
1: they won't allow it to go to waste so
0: good thank you so much for your time bro it means a lot to me that you um came here and spoke to me and uh I'm a, I'm a big fan and I really do hope you end up at Manchester United one day <laughs> <laughs> nah. thanks
1: for having me thanks thanks. it's been good it's been good to talk through things and maybe this can help the next person if they was to think twice on doing certain things or maybe to open up about certain things so yeah it's probably easy, it's, probably, it it's good thanks for having me like I
0: said <laughs> Quick one, you guys know that for years now, my office has quite literally been everywhere. On a plane, in the back of my car... In a terminal, in an airport, or on a train. You name it, I've probably worked there. Ever since I started my first business at 19 years old, I've been working on the move. All I need is Wi Fi, a desk, and my headphones, and I'm set. And one of the places that has always had my back when I'm struggling to find an office is WeWork. I've been using WeWork for years now, whether it's in Manchester, London, Manhattan, or LA, WeWork is easy. It literally requires no thinking. There's no stress of finding the perfect working location. WeWork does it all for you. Plenty of desk space, meeting rooms, collaboration spaces, drinks, snacks, it's all there. So for your next remote working trip away from the office, or if you want a new fresh space to work in, then don't just work anywhere. WeWork might just be your answer. And you can get 25% off your first six months of WeWork all access by using code CEOWORKS. That's one word, CEOWORKS. And to redeem this offer, visit we.co slash CEOWORKS.